Charles Darwin's The Origin of Species appeared in 1859, some 30 years after he took his degree and embarked on a five-year voyage on HMS Beagle as a naturalist. The majority of his life was occupied with publishing his findings from the voyage and documenting his theory on the transmutation of species. The sum total of this research found its form in his book, which asserted that species evolved through natural selection. It seems nothing short of ironic that the theory of evolution, whilst it has been firmed up by some disciplines, has not particularly evolved over the approximately 150 years since it was first published. What is particularly amazing is that it has become a definitive, factual assertion included in the traditional education system of our formative years. There is absolutely no alternative or deviation from this course allowed. All this is as a consequence of a man who was fraught with doubt and went to great lengths to describe his work as theory in the most literal of terms. In his introduction to The Origin of Species, Darwin writes, After five years of work, I allowed myself to speculate on the subject. My work is now nearly finished. This abstract, which I now publish, must necessarily be imperfect. No doubt errors will have crept in. I can here only give the general conclusions. On further reading, there seems to be some confusion regarding species and varieties in nature, as is evidenced in Chapter 2, where he says, No one definition has yet satisfied all naturalists, yet every naturalist knows vaguely what he means when he speaks of a species. The term variety is almost equally difficult to define. Darwin, however, provides many of the doubts himself. There is an entire chapter dedicated to difficulties on the theory. In Organs of Extreme Perfection and Complication, for instance, he notes one such difficulty. To suppose that the eye, in all its inimitable contrivances, for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. This individual and his work, which rocked the religious foundations of the time and continues to do so today, even refers to the Creator concerning the eye. Have we any right to assume that the Creator works by intellectual powers like those of man? Further, we must suppose that there is a power always intently watching each slight accidental alteration in the transparent layers and carefully selecting each alteration which, under varied circumstances, may in any way or in any degree tend to produce a distincter image. And may we not believe that a living optical instrument might have been formed as superior to one of glass as the works of the Creator to those of man? In the summary of the same chapter, Darwin comments, we have in this chapter discussed some of the difficulties and objections which may be urged against my theory. Many of them are very grave. And at the end of the following chapter, titled Instinct, he says, I do not pretend that the facts given in this chapter strengthen to any degree my theory. Darwin's doubts within his own theory emphasize the lack of certainty on the scientific accuracy of the theory of evolution, despite its being so widely accepted as the only scientific explanation for the development of life.